0: Hi, I'm Cindy Stavropoulos, and I'm the youth director here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. My husband, Pastor Nick, is a senior pastor here, and he is in self isolation as he was out of the country on his vacation last week. So I am presenting the message this morning, and we are working from Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3 centers on the time of exile in Babylon. For the Jews. And King Nebuchadnezzar had conquered not only Israel, but many other nations and had gathered all the smart, intelligent, young, athletic, brilliant minds from all the different nations and had brought them to Babylon to increase his brain power in his kingdom. The book of Daniel centers on the sovereignty of God, and it just underscores how God is in charge and in control, not just of our individual daily lives, but he can control nations, the rise and fall of nations. Imagine, in Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar had people of many cultures, many races, many uh, languages, and he wanted to come up with a way to, to unite them and create unity in his country. So he decided that he would create this huge image, and he would ask people to bow down before it, unifying the nations. This idol was being built in an open plain of Dura, where everybody could see it for miles. He was going to call in all the leadership from all over his kingdom, and he had special instructions on what to do with this image. So, Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. Let's read the scripture. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide. Well, let's put that into feet. That's like 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. Nine stories. That is big. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then sum- summoned the satraps prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the idol that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. And then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the trumpet, of the horn, the lyre, the zither, the flute, the harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Wow. Ninety feet high? Pretty impressive. Well, you've got these three Jewish men Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were pretty high officials in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. And you know, I'm thinking that this was not a surprise, this image being built. It was in a plain, you could see it from every part of the kingdom. 90 feet high, you could see it pretty far. And it would have taken a long time because it was covered totally in gold. Commentators have thought that it was probably built from metals that were gathered up from conquering the different nations and then covered in plates of gold. It was impressive, and it was definitely something to look at. These three men grew up in Israel and their life centered on the one true God, the God of Israel. They had been taught from early on that their God was a jealous God. The Ten Commandments say, you shall worship no other God before me. You shall make no graven images, because I, the Lord your God, am one. You shall not create idols. You shall not worship. You shall not bow down before false gods. That was their life, one god. Whereas in Babylon, the king and everyone else worshiped multiple gods. What's one more they could bow down and worship? The definition of an idol is anything in our lives that displaces God from the center of our lives. We don't face golden statues, but I think our idols are in disguise. We're not worried about a king's command. But things in our culture and expectations from what we want in our lives will often move us away from God. We want the best for our kids, so we sign them up for all sorts of sports, all sorts of activities. Also, maybe they don't get to go to church activities, but that's okay. They're going to be successful in life, or maybe I don't know, my favorite TV show is on. Maybe I don't need to go to Bible study. Maybe I'm pursuing wealth, power, friends, fun. We need to decide where our goals lie. These men had been prepared all their lives to face crises. They faced one when the nation of Israel was brought to its feet by the king of Babylon. And this defeat was predicted in the prophets in the Old Testament because the people of Israel had long stopped worshiping God. They had brought foreign idols into the temple, and the kings were not promoting following the God of Israel. So as a punishment, God told them that they would go into exile. preparation is vital in the face of difficult times so when we become aware of an incoming an incoming crisis we need to prepare well and i consider these three men as they watched every day that structure being built just a little higher and a little higher and i'm sure rumors were circulating around the kingdom as to what it was and what it would be. And because that they were pretty high-ranking officials, I'm sure they knew it was going to be the image that Nebuchadnezzar would ask everyone to bow down to. They knew there was going to be a crisis of decision in their future very soon. So they started to prepare I kind of think of it's like when a student knows that there's a pop quiz coming. You review your notes, you study, you make sure, or your income taxes are being filed. You make sure you have all your paperwork, or you're driving and you see a police car and you slow down. When we know that there's going to be something ahead of us, we stop and we prepare I think I like to think of these three men getting together and sitting and thinking, what are we going to do? This is really not a good thing. They knew that they could not worship any other idol, and yet the worship of this image was going to ask them to deny their god as the one true god. Everything that they had that they had learned, and known, and believed their entire lives would be in jeopardy. So I'm sure that they discussed, I don't know, what should we do? They talked. I think that they probably said, well, where should we stand? If we're not going to bow down, maybe we should find a good place to stand, like not in the king's sight line. What should we say if they ask us why we didn't bow down? But the most important thing I think that they discussed between the three of them was, so, bottom line, who's more important in my life? The God of Israel or the King of Babylon? I think that they must have renewed everything that they knew about their God. After all, they probably had the entire Torah memorized. They probably reflected and reviewed the stories of God and how he rescued the people when Moses was crossing the Red Sea from the pharaohs, when they begged Pharaoh to let the people go, and all the miracles that Moses did in the wilderness. I'm sure that they, they discussed all the miracles and the rescues that the God of Israel had done and that had been recorded in their history They knew what it was like to see the collapse of their nation, and yet they still held on to their beliefs and their their foundation of faith as Jews. But it was going to get worse. So they prepared for their crisis by focusing on what they knew to be true. They focused on the God of Israel, on his, fo- on his strength, on his power, on his abilities. So by changing their focus from the crisis, they started to prepare a plan of action. Crisis. We know what that is, don't we? COVID-19, that crisis, what we're all going through right now. Our culture, social media, is just lighting up. How many times do you go on social media and you can't see anything but COVID-19? We see it everywhere. There's panic, there's worry, there's fear, there's stress. Some of the youth are wondering, how am I going to get good grades enough to get into the university that I want to go to? Are we going to be able to finish our year, or am I going to be You know, am I going to have to repeat this year? The stocks are dropping. What about my retirement investment portfolio? What about my job, my mortgage? My parents are older, and I'm locked out of their nursing home. What will the virus mean for them? What if they get it? What if I get it? What if my family gets it? The COVID-19 virus is scary stuff. And it's upsetting our lifestyles, our jobs, schools, finances, health, and futures. But we're into this crisis, and let's stop and consider who our God is and what our God can do. Let's change the focus away from the crisis and let's start a plan of action in the midst of our crisis. So there's tough choices that, that the three men had to make. They could either bow down in fear, or they could believe that God is there. They needed to stand up against the odds and make the right choice. And so do we. Lisa Turkus says we need to not forget the human reality behind the divinity of this text. Because we know the answer, because we know the end of this story, we have to remember that the people in this story were humans. They were flesh and blood. They, they had fears. They had worries. They had doubts. They could be scared. They needed to take the time. And they needed to take the time with people that they trusted to discuss what was going to happen and what those implications would be. I mean, they knew what would happen if they said, no, it didn't bow down and worship. The herald was, would be very clear on that. They would be thrown in the blazing furnace. They prayed, they planned, they prepared. And they came to a unanimous decision. And they were ready, probably terrified but ready. They had been ordered to deny God, but they chose instead that no matter what, they would remain faithful to God. During this time of the COVID-19 virus, the church buildings have been closed. But it's not because we're afraid. The church isn't the building. We're the church. The people are the church. And by meeting online, thank God for technology that we can meet and we can hear messages of, of hope and, and messages of, of action. Don't despair. We know God's here. So let's review. We need to prepare when there's tough choices ahead. So we have to review and know what the important parts and the facts are, away from the nonsense. We have to count the cost, and then we must act. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 27 in the NIV version, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives, do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. In crisis, we need to place our focus on what we know, on the absolute truth, our God. We need to align ourselves with his promises. We need to make the decision of what to do next. And then we need to stand by our decision and act. And then this is when we will experience the peace of God. So for these men, the herald had spoken, the music fanfare had, had started, the people were dropping like flies onto the ground to worship this image. And the men knew it was do-or-die time. I mean, quite literally, do-or-die I can't imagine what it would have been like in crowds of thousands, on a flat plane, in front of a 90-foot statue to have the music play. I just know my heart would just be beating frantically, my pulse racing, my, my mind just spinning, and my knees would be wobbling. And as I heard the sound of thousands dropping to the ground, Standing there with my two friends. Just the scene in my head. That stand. How terrifying. And how powerful a statement it was. So once we make the decision, we must act. And we must stand. In Daniel chapter 3, verses 8 to 12, it writes, At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, Pipe and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of the idol. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews here whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Um, yeah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. I can just imagine. You know, this being singled out by these jealous astrologers doesn't make the stand easier. They knew God would deliver them or could deliver them. But they didn't know if he would, and they still stood. And I wonder, what about me? What about us? When I need to make a stand for my God, could I? Will I be strong enough to make that tough choice? Will I have confidence in making that right decision? But confidence comes when you do what you know you're supposed to do. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 in the NIV says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So they were confident, and they took action, and they got ratted out. Well, they didn't know what God was going to do. I've read the end of the story. I know, but they're not there. They're at the messy beginning. People watch us. People are looking to us as church, for us who say that we believe in the powerful, all-powerful God of the universe, who knows everything, and they wonder how we're going through this COVID virus. Do we have the hope? Are we taking a stand that our God is able to do anything in this time? In Daniel chapter 3, verses 13 to 18, the king responds, Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, So these men were brought to the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, "Um, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? Now, (laughs) when you hear this time the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I have made, Then, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the furnace, the blazing furnace, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my hands. I see a gauntlet being thrown down. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego immediately replied, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are throw it into the blazing furnace, then the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold. You have set up a do-over. Maybe you just didn't understand how important this was to me. I put you in high positions. Maybe you should just be worshipping me. I've done a lot for you. After all, you're slaves, you're captives, and I've given you all of this. Let's try again. Second time, I don't know. You think it'd be harder than the first? But they didn't ask for a do-over. They could have rationalized. I've done that. They could have said, well, you know, if we just bow physically, but mentally we don't worship, God would understand. I mean, after all, God knows we're here in Babylon. You know, our ancestors worshipped idols in the temple. We would never do that. You know what? We're not hurting anyone if we just bow down and make the king happy. What about us? Are we rationalizing that our Bible isn't relevant in today's culture? We don't really have any choice but to act this way. I mean, look around us. We're influenced. And really, we can't be expected to live in the 21st century based on a book that was written in the 1st century, can we? And maybe God wasn't just talking to all of us. Maybe he was just talking to those people who are called into full-time ministry. God knows I don't have enough money to last the month. We need to watch out for rationalizations. When we take a stand and when we act, we can't let rationalizations pull us from our focus, from our decision that we made, not in the heat of the moment, but in the reality of decisions. but we can live in the 21st century with the word of God because God has an answer. Our God is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's sovereign. God can show us how to get through this. God can show us how not to worship idols, but we have to make the choice. When I consider the three men surrounded by the jealous astrologers and all the other provincial officials in front of the king who is surrounded by his soldiers. And just off to the side, I can hear the roar from the blazing furnace. And I just think that they stood up to him and they said, we don't need a a do-over because our God is able to rescue us. But even if he doesn't rescue us. We won't bow down. We're not afraid of what you can do. They were more convinced that God was more important. They basically said, it doesn't matter if God saves us or if we die. We need to stand firm, and we we are determined that we will not change our mind. During this difficult time, We need to stand firm. We need to remember that God is with us. And he's not surprised at what we're struggling with. He has given us all the resources that we need to make the right decision and to take a stand. So they resolved. They were only going to worship the God of Israel. No idols, no images, no do-over. They didn't want to make a an elaborate speech as to, well, you see, this is how we were brought up, and the Bible says, no, they didn't need to do that. For them, the obedience to their God and their king was more important than this foreign king. They didn't ask for an exception because, well, we're Jewish, you know, it's our thing. Their faith gave them the strength to wholeheartedly commit to the situation and the outcome. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, King Nebuchadnezzar. For me, that is the most powerful part of this entire story. The faith to stand without knowing what's going to happen next. Well, I'm going to tell you what happened to the three guys. Daniel chapter 3, verses 19 to 27. Well, then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual. Really, you can't heat something seven times hotter. It's just hotter. And he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his armies to tie them up. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were to be tied up and thrown into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, their trousers, their turbans, their outer clothes, they were bound and they were thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement. Who saw that? And asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? And they replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, well, look. I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. (laughs) That's a miracle. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors cra- excuse me, crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. God hadn't rescued them before the fire. When the king was more furious, when he was enraged, when he was ordering the fire to be heated seven times hotter, which was, of course, overkill, because dead is dead, and when the soldiers came and tied them up, and when it was time they picked them up and carried them toward the furnace, God didn't come. And when they were preparing their minds and and their bodies for the agonizing death That was minutes away, seconds away. God didn't come. They were thrown into the fire, tied up. The miracle didn't happen until they were in the fire. They believed that God could rescue them from the fire, but they didn't make that the deal breaker. I mean, God could choose what happened next. They were very clear with King Nebuchadnezzar. doesn't matter if he does or he doesn't. We will not bow. The three men could only do what they chose to do. They couldn't make God do anything. Imagine, though, like really think about it. This terror that you had, this this conviction, this confidence that you had in making the right decision, and knowing that God could rescue you, but he hadn't. Being thrown into the fire and the expectation of this agony from the flames. And instead, imagine, they're walking around, like they're walking around in their living room, and an angel is with them. And, and the the ties, the ropes that bound them are gone, and they're not hurting, and they're not burning. They're fellowshipping with the angel. Mind-blowing to me. (laughs) So I wonder, what if I catch the COVID-19 virus, or you do? Why would God allow that to happen? But you need to remember, we need to remember that God didn't stop the three men from being thrown into the furnace. He was quiet, but he was there. And their testimony is amazing because the choice was so difficult. Remember, sometimes God answers yes, sometimes no, and sometimes not yet. The stand, the decision to disobey the king, the being tied up, the being yelled at and threatened by the king, threatened, hmm, promised by the king, and mentally preparing for the worst, God had answered, no, not now. But when they walked out of that fire, not only were there no singed hairs, not only were their clothes not burned, not only was there no effect of the fire and the flames on their body, they didn't even smell like fire. God knows how hot we feel the fire of worry and fear. And he wants us to know that if we trust him, even if he doesn't produce, the results we are praying for. The men walked out of the fire as if it never happened. <laughs> That's incredible. God is so powerful that he controlled the fire, the burning, and the smell like it never happened. And the testimony of these men who were rescued in the fire by a messenger of God, outstanding. And now there's no doubt in the king's mind that the God of Israel was powerful, all-powerful. God could protect these men from the hand of King Nebuchadnezzar. There was no doubt that he acted to protect his people from danger. The testimony of God's power stunned the king of Babylon. Daniel chapter 3, verses 28 to 30. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God, not gods, to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than worship any god except their own god. Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses burned and turned into rubble, for no other god can save in this way. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. God will prove his standards. God will prove himself faithful by his standards, not by ours. We need to trust God in our daily lives and worries. We don't need to know what's happening in the nations. God has the power over the nations, He's sovereign. Ask King Nebuchadnezzar. And God can handle our fears and anxious thoughts. He said He's our Father, He listens, He cares. Talk to him about what you're stressing over, what you're thinking, what you're overthinking. But still know that he will act in his time and in his way. And we need to trust and obey him today, tomorrow, and every day forward. We can't predict the future, but we can trust the one who knows the future God received the glory from this entire event. His faithful men were promoted again, and they ruled, administered, and worked for the king of Babylon. God is in control. He's our hope. He's our peace. God received glory from the entire event. His men were promoted. This COVID virus is no surprise to God. He's still on the throne He still has his power. So we need to turn over our fears about this virus. And the worries from the emergency status, from the province, from the country, well, globally, the world is looking to us to see how we're responding to this. We need to hope in God. Not hope in the government, but we need to support our leaders. We don't need to... don't hope in the doctors, but let's pray for them. We don't need to hope in the spiritual leaders around the world. Our hope is in the one who spoke the world into being. Our hope is in the all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present God of the universe. Our hope is in the one who heals deaf ears, opens blind eyes, and raises the dead. In times of hopelessness, let's review what we know and take a stand. In summary, preparation is vital in the face of crisis. And once we make the decision, we must act in faith and stand. The miracle and the rescue was found in the fire. And then when God does the impossible, the testimony is outstanding. Let us pray. Thank you, Father, that we are never alone because you never leave us. And you have promised never to let us down. You are always good. And that's why, no matter what comes, because of Christ, we stand unafraid. So, Father, today I pray that you would build the faith of your church, that our light would shine in this world God, for those who are hurting, for those who are sick, we pray for healing. We pray for protection. We pray for wisdom. God, we pray for a vaccine. We pray for global economic environments, and we pray for our leaders who are making those tough decisions. And God, we pray for your church, that where the world grows darker, the light would shine brighter. Help us to bring hope into our worlds. Father, I pray that as people of faith, we would see opportunities to show your love generously, sacrificially, to give words of encouragement, to give gifts. Oh, God, help us to invite people to know you during this crisis. Use us, God, every day to let your light shine and to share the hope that we have in you. In Jesus' name, amen.